Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Thank you, Jesus, that you are here. I thank you, Lord, that every person here today is here by divine appointment, that you have a message to speak into the hearts of people. And I pray, Lord, that by the end of this day, that people will be set free, that people will catch a hold of your heart and your passion for this city. I pray that we get a revelation of the power of worship in the spoken word to change atmospheres. Atmospheres over cities, over households, over marriages, over our lives, over churches and communities. Lord, you said whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So we just proclaim that over our minds today, freedom to receive the word. We proclaim that over the atmosphere of this place today, that there would just be such a freedom to receive your word in Jesus' name. Leviticus 14 verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall, this shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He will be brought to the priest and the priest shall go out of the camp and the priest shall look. Then if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest will command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds. How many birds? Three. That's good. He will take two birds and cedar wood and a scarlet cord or thread or yarn that may be in your Bible and hyssop. So you've got two birds, scarlet, cedar wood and hyssop. And the priest will command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. So they get one bird, cut its neck, over water and the blood would drip out into the earthenware vessel. Then he will take the live bird, this is verse 6, with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop, and he would dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh wood. So they would get the cedar wood, they would take the live bird, place it on top of the cedar wood, they'd use the, the scarlet yarn to tie the bird to the piece of wood, and also the hyssop was attached to the bird and they would get the wood, the hyssop, the scarlet and the bird and they would dunk it in the blood of the dead bird. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sort of. There'll be a picture of it soon. And he shall sprinkle it seven times. So the bird and the wood dipped in the blood, sprinkled seven times on the leprous man. He would dip it seven times and sprinkle it seven times on him is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. And then he will pronounce him clean, and he will let the living bird go in the open field. What an amazing story. Yeah. <laughs> Leprosy. Well, it's not a great thing, is it, to be leprous? Especially in those days, because leprosy would exclude you and isolate you from everyone else. Leprosy is a picture to us of sin. It represents events or mindsets that rob us of our future. So if you woke up one day and you had leprosy, just imagine if you're a man or woman, you wake up, life is good, you've got your life planned ahead, young kids, everything's going wonderful, and you get out of bed one day and all of a sudden you realise you've got leprosy. I don't know if you've ever woken up one day and some bad events happen. Something that's changed 
everything in your world. Well, this is what it was like for the man or the woman that had leprosy. Everything was taken away. I'm, I'm sure there are people here today that throughout your life you've had opportunities stolen from you. You had dreams and ambitions that you thought were going to work out a certain way and all of a sudden it all went haywire. God's giving us a solution today how we can change our circumstances, how we can change the atmosphere, the mindsets that are over our lives. Are you hearing me? Does anyone here need an atmosphere change, a mindset change in their world? Just a few. Okay. Maybe this sermon was for the church down the road. I don't know. The same priest that examined the leper and, and said, you're unclean, was the only one now that could go to the leper and pronounce him clean. See, it, it's interesting that because I have this conviction, and it, it's probably a good thing because I'm a pastor, I have this conviction that God is the solution to your problems today. And I hope you have that conviction as well that the God that pronounces that a man or a woman is unclean, the God of righteousness that says all the world is condemned because of their sin, is the only God that can make a man as white as snow. The God that says that, you know, without me you can do nothing is the same God that says, with me you can do all things. And this God comes searching for man. See, I love this about the priest. He doesn't wait for the leper to come to him. The priest goes looking for the leper. And so we have a mindset that, and you hear this phrase, I found God when I was 30. No, you never found God. God came looking for you. God's always looking for people. God's not scared by your sin. You see, the priest went out into a leprous colony where nobody else would go. I believe that this is the nature of God even today. He is looking for people with problems. He's knocking on our door. He's not leaving us to our own devices. Whenever you're in a mess, this is one thing you can be assured of. In the deepest, deepest darkest moment, God is going to show up. Yeah. Did you hear that? David said that. He said, I can be in the highest of heavens or the lowest of hell. Jonah said, I can be in the belly of a whale, 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 and God will show up wherever you are, whatever circumstance you're in, in the deepest, darkest moment, that's when light appears. The priest comes looking. See, some people say, you know, you know if I came to church, you know, hell and freeze over and, you know, I've got to get my life right before I come into church. What a mistake. God looks for sinners. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, God came looking for them. Did you hear me? And, and if you read my book, this concept that even at the cross, when Jesus took on all the sin of humanity, every sin, every addiction, every rape, every murder, everything was placed on the life of Jesus. And, and, and you've heard the teaching that God couldn't look at Jesus. He had to turn away because Jesus said, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so for generations, we've taught that God couldn't look at Jesus because he carried our sin and God can't stand sin. It's such a lie. Psalm 22 says that when God, Jesus cried out, why have you forsaken me? The Father said, I have not forsaken you, nor have I turned my face from you. See, God was in Christ reconciling man. It was a, it was a Trinity idea, not a Jesus idea. The whole Trinity was with Jesus when he took your sin on the cross. 
God didn't turn his back on you. We have a real problem if we are covered in sin and we have to get ourselves right before God will come. God comes to us in our sin. Are you hearing me? And the priest comes to the leper. The leper doesn't come to the priest. The priest walks out into a contaminated place and says, I'm going to make it clean. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel good. See, all of the New Testament is written to give man confidence before God. Not to condemn you, to bring you confidence. Jesus has done it all. Well, that's good, isn't it? And we've only just started. These two birds are a prophetic picture. God is into prophetic pictures. I don't know if you were here on Friday, but we had, we had a feather fall down from the sky. It came from there and it floated down here. We had diamonds appear. And people say, well, that can't be God. Why would God do that? Are you serious? God's into prophetic pictures. God's into communicating in so many different ways. The problem is most people don't know how God speaks. And that's the problem when we read the Bible is that we read a story like this and we can't see any rhyme or reason. But God uses pictures to unveil to us his nature. See that feather, by the way, is a picture feathers come from? No, no, they come from birds, right? I don't know what story, um, maybe angels have got feathers, I don't know, but they come from birds in, in, in my life anyway. And uh, birds are a picture in the Bible, the dove is a picture of the Holy Spirit, birds are a picture also of angels, and so often when feathers are appear, it's a picture to us that the Holy Spirit is present, that he has sent his angels, and the angels come to minister to people. Isn't that powerful? Diamonds come because they're the a girl's best friend. I'll let that one, you can sort that one out yourself. So these two birds are a picture of the leper's healing and God's restoring plan. They're a picture actually of Jesus' death and his resurrection. And when you get a revelation of this, you can begin to change your atmosphere. The first bird's cooled in an earthen vessel. Have we got a picture? There you go. There's a picture up there. That's the live bird. The first bird is killed in this vessel that's held over running water, and it's a picture of, of the death of Jesus. All our sins were buried with him at the cross. Everything that you've done up today and everything you're going to do to the end of your life, Colossians says, all of our sins were placed upon Jesus. They were all dealt with, not the sins that you've done in the past, but also the sins you've done today and the sins you're going to do tomorrow to the end of your life. All those sins were accumulated for every man, every woman, every child, and they were placed on Jesus. When this bird was killed, it was a picture that Jesus has done away with the sin problem in your life. That's going to change the way your atmospheres operate. Are you hearing me today? This is the picture of the birds. All of hell resisted this. You understand that the, the crucifixion of Jesus and his burial was such an important event because it wasn't just the life of Jesus that was being fought over. It was your life that was being fought over. Because the Bible teaches us that when Jesus died on the cross, you died with him. 
the battle wasn't just about Jesus being raised from the dead. It was about you being raised from the dead. Jesus was fighting on your behalf, not only to forgive you of your sins, but to secure your future. And I tell people that every battle that will ever be raged over your life was, has already been won at the cross. All of hell was assembled to try and keep the devil, sorry, to try and keep the, uh, Jesus from uh, being risen from the dead. Everything. You think you've had a bad day when the enemy comes against you. But imagine the power that came against Jesus when he was about to be raised from the dead. Because it wasn't just about Jesus. It was about every man and woman in Christ being raised from the dead as more than a conqueror. And you see, the battles that you face now are just your opportunity to live out what Jesus won for you at the cross. This changes the way you think. I am more than a conqueror because every battle that I, will, that I will face has already been dealt with at the cross. You are more than a conqueror. This dead bird is a picture of what Jesus did for you. See, most of the world has, has no idea of the power of the cross, what Jesus did to secure your victory. Is anyone getting hot in here? Then the living bird, the scarlet and the hyssop and the cedar were dipped in the blood. This is an amazing picture because the cedar wood is a picture of the cross. The scarlet is a picture, the scarlet cord is a picture when the bird was tied to the cedar wood with the scarlet. It's a picture of a number of things. It's interesting that when Jesus, before he was placed in the cross, they stripped him and they placed a scarlet robe upon him. Scarlet's mentioned 49 times in the Bible and 49 is the number of Jubilee. Is it not? In the 50th year, so when you're 49, going into the 50th year, I'm in the Jubilee year right now. I'm not quite 50, but 49 is about Jubilee. What's Jubilee about? It's about release and freedom. So Jesus was bound on the cross. This bird is a picture of the scarlet thread around the bird holding him to the cross. He was bound to the cross so that you could live in freedom. Yeah. Are you hearing me? See, everything that Jesus did on the cross is like an antidote for us. He was blindfolded. and They said, prophesy who hit you so that you could see. Think about that one. Scarlet's a picture of the firstborn. In Genesis 38, there's a story about two babies being born and, and one pokes its leg out and they put a... Uh, a scarlet thread on it so they know which one was the firstborn. It's a picture of Jesus, the firstborn among many brethren, the firstborn over creation. It's a picture of Jesus as the one that breaks through. Are you hearing this today? He was bound to the cross to break through for you. So many of you today are, are, are on the verge of a breakthrough in your life, on the verge of a new season. How many people feel that? There's a, there's a tension around your life. You feel like God's a, there's something stirring your heart. This is the power of this bird that was dipped in the blood and sprinkled on the leper because God was saying, I'm about to break through. Everything's about to change in your life. This leper that had been isolated, this, le this leper that didn't know its family, this leper that, that had no future, God was saying, 
I'm about to do something powerful in your life. And as I was resurrected from the dead, as I looked like I had no hope, I'm the firstborn among many brethren. And as I broke through, so you will break through. And some of you today are looking like, as you look in the future, it looks hopeless. It looks like you've been crucified. It looks like there's no way forward. But let me tell you, this scarlet is a picture of breakthrough. He is the firstborn. He's coming through. And I tell you what, he, when he rose from the dead, he came with you and I. The Bible says that when, when we were justified, he was raised from the dead. He wasn't going to be raised without you and I. Are you hearing me? So when he rose, we rose. Isn't that powerful? It's also the scalp, a picture of escape and deliverance for those that don't deserve it. Rahab was another one who was a prostitute who was living on the walls of Jericho. And when the men came in to spy out the land, many of you know the story that they said to Rahab, if you let this, this uh, scarlet cord that you've let us down uh, through your window down the wall, if you keep this scarlet cord on the window, when we come to take Jericho, you and your family will be saved. It's a picture to everyone that doesn't deserve grace. And that's you. And that's me. It's a picture to those that you feel like everything about your life is a failure. I want you to know today there's escape and deliverance because of Jesus Christ. Someone should say amen to that. Some of you need to be delivered today. Amen? The hyssop. So we had scarlet. We've got cedar. We've got hyssop. The hyssop is a a particular tree and... um, or plant, and, and it's got very harsh leaves, and they would use it to cleanse and to clean. They say that the leaves itself had like detergent properties, and so often they would use it to cleanse out uh, houses that were dirty or leprous. I love this because this hyssop is also attached. You can see it there with the bird and the blood and the scarlet. Hyssop is a picture of us being cleansed and purified. Do you know what that means? It means this, that the moment you ask Jesus to come into your life and to save you and to cleanse you and to forgive you, you are free from accusation for the rest of your life. See, some of you, the enemy comes and he plagues your mind about the mistakes that you made, you know, the decisions you made. Even some of you, before you were born again, he keeps regurgitating all the things that you failed to do, all your problems, all your insecurities, all your failures. But as I read this, I begin to understand that Colossians 1.22 says that when Jesus died, let's read it, said, he has reconciled us, Colossians 1.22, by his physical body through death, to present you wholly in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Here's the deal. When Jesus comes into your life, you get his nature. And at the cross, he got your fallen nature. There was a transaction that took place. And the moment Jesus comes into your heart, God sees you through the sun. This is a story that I use with Noah's ark, that the ark was made out of wood, which is a picture of our fallen humanity. And Noah was instructed by God to cover the ark with pitch on the outside and on the inside. That word pitch is the same word used for the mercy seat. So when God looked at Noah, he saw the wood through the pitch. And when Noah looked out, he saw the pitch and not the wood. In other words, God was saying, Noah, when anyone is in Christ, 
I don't see them anymore. I see them through the mercy seat. I see them through the sacrifice of Jesus. God is not looking at your sin. He's seeing Jesus in you. The moment you are born again, when God looks at you, he can only see you some. Some of you are just so consumed with your sin and your brokenness, and God's not looking at it anymore. He says you are free from blemish and free from accusation. You are holy in his sight. Do you understand how God sees you today? He sees you clean, holy, and pure. And some of us are so reluctant to say that about ourselves. I'm a saint. I am holy. I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm not unclean anymore. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In fact, when God looks at me, he can see no difference between me and Jesus. I am as pure and as holy and free from accusation as Jesus is himself. Get your head around that, my friend. And that's how God sees you. Why is all this important? Because if you're going to be a prophetic declarer, if you're going to change atmospheres, you're going to have to dip yourself in the right thing. The priest then sprinkled the blood seven times upon the one who was to be cleansed. So he kills a bird, the picture of Jesus dying. The living bird, which, which is a picture of the life of Jesus. This living bird is a picture of us. And, and it's dunked in the blood seven times upon the one who's to be cleansed. And he is pronounced clean. What an amazing thing. Seven is an amazing number. The number seven is the number of completion, the number of divine perfection. It's interesting, isn't it, just as a side note, that the, the gays and the lesbians and that group have sabotaged what I think is the rainbow. If you notice the rainbow that appeared on the White House a day or two ago, there were six colours and not seven. Six is the number of man. Six is, just in case you don't know, five plus one. It's man adding to grace. Grace is the number five. It's also seven minus one, which is man coming short of perfection. And so it's not without, without um, design that they have taken the number seven and translated it to six. Their rainbow is the number six, not seven. Seven is also the, the Hebrew word for seven is the same word that we have for Sabbath. It's, the, it's, it's a very powerful word. It's also the word for covenant or oath. So when you see the rainbow in the sky, it's God's covenant and oath of completion and perfection. Six is the number of man. So this bird is sprinkled seven times with the blood over the leper. And, and, and for those, again, that have read my book, I talk about briefly the seven places that Jesus shed his blood. This year, uh, centuries before is an enactment of what is going to happen in the life of Jesus. It's very powerful, isn't it? Seven times the blood is sprinkled. And for those that have read the scriptures, you know that the blood of Jesus was first shed in the garden as he sweated great drops of blood. He was redeeming man's will. Not my will, but your will be done. The next place was on his head when they put a crown of thorns on his head and God was redeeming through Christ the mindset of man. The thorns was a picture of the curse of poverty. He was redeeming you from lack and poverty. At the cross, when, that, uh, when the crown was placed on his head, Everything in your mind began to change. Are you hearing me? His beard was plucked. 
the beard was a place of, 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 for, for a man of, of pride and, and, and well-being. And so when you plucked the man's beard, it was shame. So he's, he shed blood for, for the shame that we feel. So, so many of us have been placed in situations where we felt so ashamed and, and his blood was shed to make us whole. We're out of our God. Our back was, was whipped. His back was whipped. And the blood was shed for our healing. His hands and his feet, it was uh, pierced. And hands and feet talk about dominion and leadership. His, his uh, heart was pierced so that we would have intimacy with him. Have I got one more to go? I did the sign. And he was bruised for our iniquities. Internal bleeding. You know, for, for many of us, as we look at our family line, we see generation after generation bowing to iniquity. There are generational, like it were, uh, strongholds over our life. Mum was poor, grandma was poor, great-grandma was poor, or great-grandma was sick, mum was sick, and I'm sick. And he, the, at the cross, he was bruised for our iniquities. And, and iniquity is a spiritual force that causes us to bow under its control. And the blood of Jesus was shed seven places from mankind's freedom. And this is what's taking place with the leper. As the bird and the blood is sprinkled over the leper, God's saying, I'm going to deliver you and set you free in every place of your life. Salvation is not just getting you to heaven. It's, it's, it's salvation over your finances, over your body, over generational lines. It's a whole kit and caboodle. When God does a work, he does a complete work. And before we can proclaim over our city and release freedom over the atmospheres, we have to get a revelation of who we truly are in Christ. You know, I've had this stirring in my heart for a number of years and it's intensifying over the mindset of the church and its role in community. It seems like the church is the only one that doesn't have a voice, that church and the state don't mix anymore, that because we have God morals, we have no voice in the community. And it stirs my heart because there is such a place for the church to shape and change atmospheres. See, I believe the church has adopted a lifestyle of defeat, lulled into insignificance. And again, if you read my book, I talk about Samson who had uh, seven braids of hair and uh, he, he had the seven locks cut off. Seven is such a powerful number. It's a picture of, of dominion in every sector of society. For those who have read about the seven mountains, government, business, uh, family, etc. These are, these are areas where God has wanted the church to proclaim over the atmosphere of all these different mountains. And see, Samson gave that up. He put his head in the lap of Delilah. And Delilah means impoverished, feeble, oppressed. And he put his head down. And that's what the church has done. It's laid down as a feeble, oppressed organization, body. And the enemies cut, come and cut off the locks of, of uh, Samson's hair. And now it seems like we have no voice in our community. See, these birds are a picture. They are a prophetic picture 
of the church getting a revelation of the freedom it is to bring to every sector of society. So when the bird was uh, sprinkled with the blood over the leper, God's saying to us as a church, I'm going to change not just human beings, but I'm going to change all the systems of the world. The kingdoms of this world belong to Jesus. And he's saying, my influence is not just on an individual life, it's on every sector of society. Are you hearing me today? Psalm 2 says, God spoke to Jesus and said, I'm giving you the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possession. Jesus still has this idea that the world belongs to him. He hasn't given up on this world. I know for some of you, you've read some of the things that have taken place recently and it's almost you feel like a sense of hopelessness. Let me tell you how the story ends. I don't know what sort of theology you've embraced, but my theology says that, that like a little mustard seed, the kingdom of God is going to increase and increase. Daniel saw in the, in the generations to come, he said that, that the kingdom of, of God is going to consume every other kingdom. You are not on a losing side. We are not going to just sort of bleat out and wait for God to come and rapture us. God's idea is that church begins to influence every sector of society will be under my feet. And this is not in a way that God wants to trample over people's lives. But we understand where the kingdom of God comes into society, there is righteousness and peace and joy. This is not a dominating kingdom of control, but this brings true eternal life. And I tell you what, the system of this world de destroys kills, maims. I tell you what, wherever the enemy system is at work, we see destruction. The kingdom of God brings true life. Yeah. Are you hearing me? And he says, I want you to sit at my right hand until all your enemies are made my footstool, and I'm going to do it through my church. Six times that is uh, referenced in the Bible. Six is the number of man. And I believe God was saying that I am going to do it through mankind. I'm going to do it through my church. This end time dominion will not be because of something that I do, but it'll be something that you do. We are waiting on God. God's waiting on us. It's a standoff. Who's going to win? God says, I'm waiting for you to realize I've empowered you to bring dominion to this planet. It's people who realize who they are in Christ, realize their mandate, who begin to prophesy over this city. I asked God, what is it you want me to do in this city? How can I make a difference? And he said to me a number of years ago, just begin to believe that I am able to change this city. I'm looking for one person who will believe that my desire is to rule and reign in this city. And once you begin to believe it, just begin to speak it. This is about the release bird. This release bird, the bird is the word. The bird is the word. This living bird is released in an open field. We'll see that in a minute. The bird is the word. It's releasing the word. Just begin to believe. Jesus, you are king of kings and lord of lords over this city. This city belongs to you. Every bit of land, 
Every, every factory, every business, every family, it all belongs to you. And you are the good God. Your nature is good. You haven't come to destroy this city. You've come to love and bless this city. And so I will stand here and decree, like the bird being released, that your nature is good and you, Lord, want to rule and reign over this city. Would you join with me? Would you begin to believe that God can change a city? 2 Kings 4. You may have heard this story, but it's a story about Elisha who comes to the Shumanite woman who's been so kind to him. She's built a house. She's given him a decked out room. He says, what can I give you? And, she's, and she says, you know, the only thing I don't have is a son. I want a promise. And it's interesting because I, as I look across the world today, I see that there's been a prophetic mandate that's been given to the church. In the last 10 years, prophecy, the church's ability to hear God and to see God has gone from like zero to 10. There's been an astronomical increase. You go to a Christian bookstore and see the number of books about prophecy, about empowering God's people to hear. As I read this story, I thought, you know, that's what it's about. It's about God's people connecting. They've made room for the prophet in the house. They've made room for prophecy in their world. It's not uncommon to talk about prophecy, hearing God's voice. The young children in our church, they're having dreams and visions. They prophesy. They read your mail. I have people come to our house and my little children are able to prophesy over them. And and the, the adults begin to weep because there is a spirit of prophecy. God is revealing himself in such a powerful way. But, say with me, but. This boy is given. You see, when the church comes under the prophetic, God will birth promises. And I believe the reason that the prophetic has come to the church is not just so we can prophesy over one another, which is great. But God wants to birth our future. This boy is a sign of the promise. He's a little boy. But it's the heart of God. It's his intentions. And the more we begin to delve in the, in the prophetic, God not just begins to reveal to us about our desires and our future, but his desires and his future. What he sees over our city. Are you hearing me? And this little boy goes out to the harvest field with his father and the enemy attacks this little boy. And you know the story, many of you, he says, my head, my head. And as you read in the Hebrew, it actually says my head's shaking. And there's a shaking going on with the promises. Some of you, you've began to feel that God's stirring you to have such an impact on society. But that promise has been shaken. Even over this last week, you've seen what the enemy has done. And your hope is shaken that we could truly see this world change. I read on Facebook, uh, which is the bearer of all good news. People are starting to be afraid. What's going on? Has God's plan changed? Should we just go now? It's been shaken. But you see, they make a fatal mistake. They take this boy back who's died and they place, sorry, who's very sick and they place him on the lap of the mother, not in the prophet's room. And see, that's what's going on right now. People are taking the prophetic promises of God, God's mind, God's vision. And they're taking it back because it's been wounded back, back into a natural realm. I can't see how God could ever move again. 
I can't see how God can overturn those decisions. I can't see how God could use me in the business realm. I can't see how... See, many of you have had dreams and visions and prophetic words over you and it's been shaken and you've gone back to the natural. And in the place of the natural, the boy dies. See, she was supposed to bring that boy back to the prophet's room. Because when you bring back the promises of God back into the realm of the prophetic, God will, God will begin to remind you again, I am the Lord God, I change not. I am the Lord God, I change not. I can win with any hand. I'm the God of the polystyrene. You can push me down, but I'll always come back up. I will never fail. Even though it looks bad, I can win with any hand. It looks bleak for you, but in the darkest moment, the light will shine. You can put my men in the fiery furnace. You can turn it up seven times stronger, but they'll come out without a singe on them. And some of you are thinking, how God? How God? How could you use me? You've given me these great plans and there's a shaking going on. You bring the promises back to the presence of God and say, God, remind me again of what you said. They lay the boy in the prophet's room. He lays on top of the boy. The boy sneezes seven times. And the mindset of the church is revived again. And that's what I do. Often my faith is shaken about the city. And I come back into the presence of God and it's like the prophet lies on top of me again. The presence of God overshadows me. I sneeze seven times. And what is that? That is, that is the cleansing of the mind that says, God, you can't change the seven mountains. You can't change society. It's all too hard. And as the prophet's presence came upon the boy, the boy came back to life. And I'm saying to you today, to be truly prophetic and powerful, there has to be a cleansing of the mindset of the church that believes without any doubt, God, you're able. This living bird, once it's sprinkled seven times, it says it was released into an open field, carrying the message of freedom, carrying the message of deliverance. We did that, you know. Was it two weeks ago? We went out the back, out here. We released seven doves as a prophetic picture. They began to fly around our, our church, and then they flew over the city. I don't know where they went, but it was a picture that we were releasing a prophetic song, prophetic words of freedom over our community. I shared with you last week, and this, I'm going to finish with this, but in Genesis 1.1, it tells us that you can only speak to your atmosphere once you see yourself free. See, the power in the church bringing deliverance to a city is when they truly see themselves as God sees them. In Genesis 1.1, it says that God hovered over the face of the water. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. It was hopeless. And there's a picture of God through the Spirit hovering over the face of the water, not the face of the dirt. Remember I told you last week that whenever God creates something, He's looking for a reflection of Himself first. Are you hearing me? When God creates something, He's looking for a reflection of Himself. So that's why He didn't hover over the dirt, because you can't see yourself. He hovers over the water, and when He sees Himself, He then speaks. It's after God saw the reflection that he said, let there be light. He did not talk until he saw himself. And that's what's happening right now. The church is beginning to see itself. 
And when it sees itself, it can speak. And that's why God said to Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, don't speak. Until you can see what I see, don't speak. But when you can see what I see, when you have hope for a nation, for a city, that's when you begin to speak. And you see, that's why your words are so powerful. Because over the last number of years, you've began to get hope that God can change a city. Why, why are the worship sessions here so powerful? Because there's a resonance there now. We're not just speaking empty words, but we've begun to see what God sees. See, when God, God never creates till he sees himself. The power of creating is when you see what God sees. In Genesis 1.26, it says that God gave dominion to man. And the dominion that he gave to man was before man even had a body. Because it's in Genesis chapter 2 that God formed man from the dust of the earth. The part that has dominion in you is not your body. It's the spirit man that's within you. And it's with the spirit we begin to see what God sees. Many of us are relying on our fleshly eyesight, mindset to change things. When we worship and decree, it's not according to the flesh. It's not according to what we can see and feel. But dominion comes from the realm of the spirit. Are you hearing me? The spirit man got dominion, not the flesh man. Genesis 1, it tells us that God gave man dominion. And that man didn't have a body yet. It was the spirit man. And that's why it's so powerful. It's not the numbers it's not what you have at your disposal. It's what you see in the Spirit. And when you see what God sees, you can release the Word. You can release the Word. See, this, this leper understood that, that when the blood was sprinkled seven times, it was a re revelation of God's redemptive work, and that's when the bird could be released. We are coming to the 70th Jubilee. Since Joshua crossed the Jordan into the promised land to take on seven nations more mighty and more powerful than himself. Seven nations. We are now standing at the 70th Jubilee. Are you hearing this? September the 13th is the end of the Shemitah. The Shemitah is a seven-year cycle. If you read Deuteronomy, at the end of uh, in Jubilee and in the end of the Shemitah, they would sing out the sound of release. In fact, I'll read this to you as we finish. In Deuteronomy 15, it says that the Lord's released will be proclaimed. I don't know if you see it. I don't know if you feel it. But we are in a season right now where God is proclaiming release. Release of his mind over cities. Release of his favor. Release over people that are held in bondage. If you ever want to be free, this is a season to be free. If you ever had bondages that can never be broken, I mean, God wants to heal people all the time. But this specifically is a season of great freedom. It's a season of release. It's a season when God's people speak they will see great power. It's a season for God's people to release prophetic words. It is the Jubilee. Are you hearing me? And I pray that God's people get eyes to see what God is about to do. If not, it will catch many of you by surprise. Release the word. Release the word. Release the word over your life. Release the word over your family. Release the word over the city. 
Release the word. The bird is the word. Release the word. Release the word. Release the word. The enemy wants you to be silent. Don't release the negativity. I tell you what, don't release the word until you've dipped the bird in the blood. Until you've got a revelation of what God has done. Until you get a revelation of the greatness of God over your circumstances that seem so dire, that seem impossible to change. Dip the bird, dip your head in, in, the, in the revelation of what God has done and then release the word. In fact, I say to you, don't release the word until you get your mind renewed, until you see God is greater than your problem. Until that, shut up. Don't speak, don't say a word. Say, God, silence my tongue until my mind is renewed so I begin to speak with a prophetic voice over our city. See, you read Facebook, you think, I wish half of them would just shut up. Just release the word. Speak the power of God, the goodness of God. Say, our God is able. He is King of kings and Lord of lords over my family, my finances. Release the word. If you look up there, there are seven birds that are being released out of the cage. Release the word over every sector of society. God is hungry and looking for a people with a revelation of his kingdom mandate that would release the word. He said it to me, Andrew, I'm just looking for people that would believe. Looking for people that would believe that I long to be God of all the city. Looking for people that would believe that I want to get into fashion, into education. I've got, a, I've got wisdom for every area. I don't want to be locked out. Release me into every area. And so we will, Lord. We will, Lord. You're a king of kings and a lord of lords. And I just say now, Lord, that you are releasing provision and strategies to those that have ears to hear and eyes to see. I say, Lord, that you're bringing release to those that are in captivity. I say you're bringing freedom over marriages and families. I say that, Lord, that your name will be glorified. I say that this is truly our year of jubilee. I say, Lord, this is the year where debts are cancelled. Lord, this is a year of your favor. This is a year of mighty exploits, and we proclaim it now, Lord God. Lord, I pray for everyone that's been covered in doubt and unbelief that you would give them a revelation again of the power of your death and resurrection, that your mind has not yet changed and it never will, that you will be proclaimed as king. You said that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord to the glory of the Father. And so we say, Lord, let that be done. Let it be done willingly from every man and every woman in this city. We proclaim that you are king. Glorified. I say that this is truly our year of jubilee. I say, Lord, this is a year where debts are cancelled. Lord, this is a year of your favor. This is a year of mighty exploits. And we proclaim it now, Lord God. Lord, I pray for everyone that's been covered in doubt and unbelief, that you would give them a revelation again of the power of your death and resurrection, that your mind has not yet changed and it never will, that you will be proclaimed as king. You said that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord to the glory of the Father. And so we say, Lord, let that be done. Let it be done willingly from every man and every woman in this city. We proclaim that you are king. Yes. 